What's up? What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 16 of The Overview. I'm Chan Man V, joined, of course, by Fish Sticks and Shade. And we've got a brand new guest. It's like new guests every single week. want to welcome Mitch Leslie to the show. He's a caster for ESL, and he's been a long time. League of Legends, CSGO, World of Tanks. What other games? What are the other games you be casting for? Mercenary. Battlefield. Battlefield. Uh, Goat Simulator. Let's throw that one in there. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah, quite a few different games, yeah. Hello. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyways, welcome to the show, buddy. It's going to be awesome getting a chance to, uh, you know, talk some Overwatch with you. He is one of the main Overwatch casters right now for ESL. So, uh, he was just coming back from the, the Take TV Takeover event, too. So, awesome to have you, buddy. Okay. Be here, man. Yeah. All right. So, a lot busy week. Tons of events this weekend. Actually, two huge lands, uh, and that's pretty much what we're going to focus on. Of course, we'll have a little bit of a, we'll have a segment where we're just kind of throwing some uh, miscellaneous things that are going on in the community, and then at the end, of course, we'll do some Q and A with you guys. So, tweet those questions to at ChamMV, and I'll read those out. And and for whatnot, you don't have a Twitter account, we'll take some from Twitch chat too if we don't get enough questions there. All right, so big events takeover, obviously in in Europe was the big uh, land event, and then we had the esports arena uh, agents rising. Uh, but I figured we'd start off with the EU one, kind of go chronological because that's kind of how it went, <laughs> anyways. Because the European event was obviously uh, taking place earlier in the day. Uh, Mitch, you were obviously one of the main casters there, and uh, yeah, how was the event overall? I mean, Take always we had Take on last week, so uh, he always runs a super fun event. How was it overall? That was great, dude. Seriously, it's quite fun to do an event over there. We have to take the piss and have a bit of fun, uh, which is kind of nice because a casters from ESL we're pretty stiff necked Sometimes we can look like that, or pretty, you know, top bullet, top button done up and upright in your chair. So it's kind of nice to relax and have a bit of fun. And the games were yeah. very, very good. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Fishstick Shade, you get a chance to. I mean, you guys were obviously. I mean, obviously, Fishstick, you were super busy, but uh, guys get a chance to catch at least a match or two. Maybe. Dude, Maybe. I, I was a little bit busy, yes, Chris, uh, over the course <laughs> okay. of the weekend, but I tuned in where I could. Yeah. Uh, got a chance to hear some great commentary with a lot of pro players. Of course, Too Good was commentating too, which <laughs> is kind of a treat. I mean, this guy is like a legendary Quake caster. He's one of the more funny assholes around in the scene. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I always enjoyable to listen to. But, man, I, I, yeah. I still need to go watch the VODs. I mean, last yeah. night... All I did was watch the esports arena vods because I'm conceited and like listening to my own voice. Damn, but, um, dude. No, okay. I want to. I want to watch the. I still need to watch the vods. I'll say that much. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Shade, you you were watching some matches this weekend, like me. Yeah, I mostly watched. I mostly watched the esports arena one though. Yeah. Not gonna lie. Yeah. I do have the vods all loaded up on my computer on my other screen right now. Yeah. Waiting to watch it later tonight after the show. Yeah. Cool. Um, for the Take TV event, but. NA's a little bit closer to me, so... <laughs> well, yeah, the hours, too. I mean, obviously, it takes started yeah. a little bit earlier. Uh, I tried to catch as much as I could of actually both events. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I felt like, you know, a lot of questions... There were a lot of questions for several teams going into the event, uh, particularly creation and melty and uh, not so much rogue, but, you know, I think an, an, uh, an interesting storyline kind of developed as the, the tournament was, was moving forward. First off, it, you know, Creation actually knocked Rogue off in the winner's bracket, which was pretty crazy, Mitch. Like, what did you think of that? It wasn't even close. That's yeah, the thing. it was uh, crazy. Because um, Creation, I, I'm not 
really saying that they necessarily sandbagged the early event, but they played one comp and they stuck to it right. Double McCree, mm-hmm. might throw a widow in there. We had, you know, Winston, Lucio, maybe Mercy, right? That's it. So they played that all the way up until that point. Everyone's like, oh, they played this one comp really well, but are they actually that good? Are they that versatile? And then against Rogue, they just absolutely go ham. And Rogue <laughs> actually chooses the King of the Hill map maybe as some kind of to, to break the deadlock or something like that. And creation wrecks them yep. on that one. So at that point, everyone's like, okay, I was outside. One of the casters said directly to Mitzi, the manager of creation, I think you're going to lose 3-1. Mitzi's <laughs> like, yeah, watch this. And I, I didn't say anything. I'm like, we'll be interested to see this. But they came out very, very strong. 3-1 was the score line, and it didn't look close watching it. Yeah, no, it was definitely a dominant performance by creation. And I think it kind of rocked Rogue, too. It, it felt like, I, I felt like Rogue the rest of the way, like you could you could see it on their faces. Like they, they were in serious grind mode the rest of the way. And it kind of showed, you know, as the end result, since Rogue ended up taking the tournament overall. Uh, but it was definitely cl- great to see because I think everybody going into the tournament was just hands down Rogue's best team here. We, you know, we'll kind of see who finishes second. And uh, yeah, they, they made definitely an interesting, you know, just story just around the whole thing I mean, right. that, that, yeah sorry i just wanted to interject and just yeah. say like i that particular match is just a huge result in the winter bracket finals creation taking that win uh because creation really had solidified a position as probably number two in europe uh, about two or three months ago they were solidly mm-hmm. right behind IDDQD when IDDQD was really in their prime. Uh, you know, it reunited. It, it's, it was still contentious between the two, but they, they were making a good case for themselves. And then over the course of the last couple of months, they've just had disappointing results. Mm-hmm. So seeing this, you know, I was watching the bracket and tuning in wherever I could. Seeing this result, 3-1 over Rogue, was absolutely huge, especially because Rogue has recently beaten teams like Reunited, uh, so like this this result was actually huge for creation and also equally as big for Rogue to get knocked down at that point in in the tournament. So really insane stuff. I mean, I'll be honest with you, I honestly do think that Rogue got complacent. I mean, especially mm-hmm. yep. the last time that those two played before this event would have been the GG uh, tournament with those four teams in there as well. We saw Rogue end up winning that one as well. Mm-hmm. They were confident. I spoke to IDDQD, he was definitely the most outgoing of them. Also, maybe could keep them some things closer <laughs> to his chest because he said, "Yeah, I think we're going to wreck them. I think we're just the strongest team in Europe right now." Uh, and then we saw a different side to creation. They stratted. They, they stratted so well, uh, you know, against Rogue. It wasn't even funny. Mm-hmm. Gibraltar, for ex- good example, on that second phase uh, inside the hangar, they knew exactly what to do. They completely mm-hmm. pushed Rogue out. There was no second phase on that map whatsoever. They pushed straight in, and Rogue couldn't even get inside that area. Dorado, another great example, where yep. if you remember, mm-hmm. or if, if you've seen it, even Rogue didn't even capture the first checkpoint yeah, on that Dorado. Was they got crazy. completely shoved out. Yeah, I mean, the same situation happened as well. I think Crew from Graviton Surge uh, was actually. Uh, instrumental in their game against Rogue for that one map that they won, that Dorado, where uh, he completely wrecked him on that point. So that was an issue for them over the course mm-hmm. of the tournament, but definitely a bit of overconfidence, I think, going in. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you brought up Graviton Surge. I think they had a, a pretty nice result too, uh, particularly beating Melty. I think that was a surprise to some of the folks. How'd you, how'd you like their play? Uh, it was quite interesting. And, and again, in the same vein as creation, it, they've strated it very clearly. And IDDQD specifically, when he spoke to me outside, mentioned this as something that he knew. He knew exactly what uh, they would... IDDQD knew they strated it, should I say. Crew is an excellent player. Uh, obviously, did things didn't work out with Melty. Obviously, he left that team. <laughs> he tried to create his own French super team with Wins, AKM, and Unco. That also didn't work. And he mentions that there were some differences. And, and just because they all spoke the same language didn't mean they necessarily communicated better. Mm-hmm. But this team works really 
really well around him. I think Skipjack's one of the best Reinhardts in Europe. Zebesai went absolutely off tap. He was really, really good on the Korean DPS classes. So mm-hmm. they absolutely deserve that win. Upsetting Melty is no mean feat. But Melty, I think maybe, I don't know if it's, they all have land experience. Uh, but I yeah, think that advantage yeah. they had at the start of Overwatch has dwindled away now, and now they've got to grind with the rest of them. Yeah, agreed. I mean, uh, like you said, they they were definitely one of the they were the top European uh, teams at some point in early closed beta. Uh, but at this point, yeah, they're gonna have to start putting in you know the work and you know possibly making some changes, you know, just to to really start competing again. Uh, it's, but it's great. It's definitely great to see that there's gonna, you know, we're starting to see three teams starting to merge, and actually, you know, three or four teams in each of the regions starting to really vie for for uh, you know just the top spots or top two spots, and that's always a healthy place to be. You know, we we didn't quite see that the entire time in the closed beta, just because we didn't have that many teams. But that number should grow, right? Just with more and more teams that we're seeing, uh, some more of these open tournaments too, and just seeing some, you know, just some of these these these. Uh, uh, just some of these players that we see in Discord and just like playing the games and stuff, starting to come together and make teams. Uh, I think we're going to start, you know, the next month or two, we're going to maybe maybe have to up that number to maybe about eight teams, you know, that could uh, get to the point where they, you know, you could finish top two, you know, that sort of thing. That'd be a really awesome place to be. <laughs> At least I think so. Like, what do you think, Ben? I mean, that's like, is that ideal to have just like parity, you know, or is it better to have like a dominant team? Uh, obviously you want to have parity, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, People say people have said it. I've heard it a number of times throughout my esports career that when one single team can dominate for a large period of time, a long period of time, that kind of proves in a way that the game does have a high skill cap because mm-hmm. it does yeah. allow for a team to really set themselves apart from the rest. Um, and we have seen that in Overwatch now a couple of times. You know, first it was Melty, then it was Hubris, mm-hmm. uh, then of course it was IDDQD. Um, right now, it's sort mm-hmm. of Cloud Nine, uh, but not 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 head and shoulders above the top European teams at all, and also not head and shoulders above the top North American teams as we (laughs) saw this weekend, uh, which was definitely something that I want to touch on a little bit later Mm -hmm. uh, as a lot of teams came out of the gate swinging this weekend. It was pretty cool to see. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see what the the next weekend or the next big weekend that we have with land tournaments, how, you know, I guess how these teams are going to respond. Um, so to so LG this weekend, Shay, like they they kind you guys kind of took a break, right? This this weekend, I think Esper played though. Esper ended up playing on uh, the Agents Rising. Uh, yeah. Actually, yeah, team, unfortunately, team? we couldn't we couldn't make it to the tournament as a yeah. team. Um, but Esper asked if he could play with like a pickup group. Yeah. Um, and he ended up playing with them. I think they did all right uh, too, didn't they? Gamer uh, Sensei. Or yeah. That's what they were called. Um, but yeah, so he's yeah. basically just like. Well, since we're not going as a team, I'm yeah. going to go play with these other people. Like, <laughs> right, oh, right, fun. right. Yeah. So hopefully, I mean, I'm sure the next next big weekend we'll we'll see you guys there we'll too. We'll be at the next land. For yeah, sure. yeah. But anyways, getting back to, to the takeover, uh, Mitch. Just overall, you know, take this takes first Overwatch tournament. Um, in general, how do you think it went? You know, from the standpoint of spectator and just overall production, all that good stuff. Uh, the production it take is is in my class like. It's top level, right? And it's not because they have the flashy lights and the amazing camera pans. It's because they're incredibly responsive, right? These guys have been working for a long time and and working on a maybe less formal production actually forces you to be be a bit sharper. If I want a meme of a frog dancing on the screen, (laughs) I'm going to get my fucking frog dancing, right? These guys will do it. Great example was we had Mendo on the camera, Mendokusai on the camera, and the production brought up a picture of Arya Stark. (laughs) I heard about this. That is amazing. 
or, or for example, when I slapped Jason in the face with a massive cocktail wiener, they slowed that down. They played it back as like a play of the game from Reinhardt or something like that. So they take the piss, but that also requires you to have to pull assets from elsewhere and be on point. So there, mm-hmm. I, I can't fault them. Some of the best guys I've worked with, really. We've worked with some of them at ESL, as we sort of see them fairly often, but yeah. it was good fun. Um, I had Spectate whenever I casted, uh, mm-hmm. which is obviously for a casting yeah, perspective, that's, tough, that's an ideal. Yeah. Um, my quality definitely drips, drops personally if I'm spectating and casting at the same time because mm-hmm. I can't listen to what the other guys are saying. Yeah. So for the final, that that's example uh, I was sort of specking there as well. So really, I could only add maybe sixty percent or seventy percent of what I normally could, which is a mm-hmm. shame. But luckily, we had two good there on the couch, and Jason couldn't always fill a play-by-play role if he had to. He started out as an analyst, but mm-hmm. he has no issue really talking a lot, which is great. Um, so <laughs> that's something. That yeah, Jason talking. Sure, that's no probably. Problem. <laughs> But that's uh, my only regret, I think, to be honest, and something that would be nice to see worked on. And there's budget, and there's other things to consider. Do does it take up anyone who knows the game at enough of a level to spectate it properly, or know who to be looking at, and yeah. when, and how, and why? Having four McCrees in the game and knowing who to and trying to figure out who to go to when they're using dead eyes is a nightmare. Though. I don't recommend that to anyone. <laughs> oh uh, my goodness! But no, it, it's fine. And the, the games were good. The venue was fantastic. Really, just to mm-hmm. chill. I mean, I can go and have a beer. I can go and have something to eat while I'm waiting or whatever. You have to take your shoes off when you go in there, which is super. What? So everyone's walking around in like really? flip flops or slippers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, because if the floors are all nice and stuff like that, I guess it's open to the public normally. So it's just the house rule they have. But oh, okay, okay. Um, How big yeah, is the place? Because it looks enormous on camera. Is it like? I mean, how big? I mean, just generally, do you know how many? how big it feels or maybe even the square footage of the place. I don't know. <laughs> uh, it's pretty sizable, right? So what you have is when you see us on camera, you have the couch and behind us is pretty much the entire venue. Okay. What they do cleverly is they front light the pillars to to give an impression of space. And there is a reasonable amount. So behind us is about 10 meters mm-hmm. to a wall. And then there's also a smaller section past that as well off towards the left, like a mm-hmm. not a corridor, but a wider area where they've got, they've got like a DDR in there. They've got a poker <laughs> table. They've got a pool table. They've got a kicker table. Right. They've got tons of screens in there. So it is quite big. And there's a lower level as well where all the players were pretty much practicing and stuff uh, for the whole time so oh. quite big bigger than i expected it to be as well because mm. germans uh and the architects are great at fitting a lot into very small space so yeah. there's a lot on top of us but uh plenty of room there but they definitely help that with some lighting and other effects yeah yeah no amazing so how is it casting with uh just too good you know and uh, even nathanius right nathanius casting for the first time too there uh and Jorasar too doing overwatch how was just the collection so I, I've always I've watched Nathaniel for a long time. Um, mm-hmm. You know, never really actually got to meet him because I was never involved in StarCraft. So his technical skill is very impressive. I mean, he's mm-hmm. very experienced. I think um, about the EU scene, he wasn't maybe as fully aware as we mm-hmm. were as not yeah. being playing in it. But it just doesn't matter. A guy can come in and cast someone eating breakfast cereal. It really doesn't matter. <laughs> he did an excellent job. Um, too good is just something else. That guy, he's eccentric. <laughs> he's charming. He's incredibly good on his feet. Um, so he was, he also like, I'll be honest, he was not in great shape in day one. He was pretty tired, jet lagged as, as he called it. We'll go with that. Uh, <laughs> Nate obviously suffered the same fate. So he was, you know, it took him a while to get going, but, uh, he knows a heck of a lot about the game. Mm-hmm. He can really yeah. cut through to the heart of a uh, matter when it comes to analysis. I think he's, I think Slash is really great. He's got a lot of great knowledge. 
But what I think Tuchel does better than anyone else right now is he looks and he picks out the things that you just wouldn't necessarily uh, see bubble to the surface. He literally goes deep. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think everything he had to say in general was quite insightful for even myself, who's played a, a decent amount of the game. So yeah, that was great. Jorosar as well, to be honest. I actually haven't worked with him before. I did see him casting a bit of the, the King of the Watch stuff as well, where they played Dorado like fucking 10 times in a row or something. But <laughs> yeah. he, uh, he, he did well. That's a marathon, right? Super effervescent kind of guy. We actually both mm-hmm. have an engineering background as well. So uh, oh, we got to chat wow. about that. Okay. Um, and he was really good at running uh, interviews, hosting the event. We have similar styles. So put us on the couch together and we had the talk a bit beforehand. So it wasn't going to be a tug of war, but uh, it's fine. Great guy. Really, really nice. Yeah, he has a whole bundle of uh, YouTube videos with interviews and behind the scenes stuff. Uh, I think he tweeted it out last night. Definitely check that out from uh, Jorosar. Uh, sound like a great so the concurrence actually got when I was watching it was somewhere between 25 and 30k which you know at the moment before Asians Rising you know came in I, I was just like wow this is you know this is obviously fantastic obviously new highs for uh, Overwatch at the time um, viewership wise you know, pleased uh, surprised you guys was everybody there pretty surprised or did you get any kind of feeling of that Mitch day one probably the viewership wasn't what we would have liked i think it was around 7k max uh bit disappointing yeah 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 Yeah. but we picked at 34k is what i've been i've been told from 34 okay on sunday which is really really cool and more more than anything what makes me happy about that is for the players right like (laughs) yeah we're telling a story we're bigging up these dudes who are here first and they're putting in eight hours a day right now and 34k people get to hear me verbally sucked big dick on, on, on camera, right? I'm giving all, you know, I'm saying this guy's incredible. He put so much time into the game and the, all the rest of the guys as well. So that makes me happy. They're getting the recognition they deserve. And of course, you know, even Agents Rising with even more than that as well. So it was a good weekend considering the most viewers before, I think, was the Overkill finals, yep. which is like 17K. That's just yep. uh, what I saw concurrence. So there's growth there. Will it maintain? Will it sustain? Who knows? But so far, it's a great start. Well, it maintain. Come on, man. Okay, it's, it's just gonna be. It's gonna grow. I mean, none of this like, like uh, you know, just conservative stuff because it's only gonna go up from here. And it already getting up to this point with a week into the whole thing. This is pretty amazing. Um, from the standpoint, uh, let's talk about meta. Just kind of what we saw. Uh, you, you touched a little bit about you know how people were just straight up countering other teams, just and just what they typically do. Uh, generally, what did you see? You know, with the meta in terms of payload maps versus uh, you know King of the Hill single point maps. King of the Hill was often the same comp, really. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. you do, there's, there's kind of there's kind of an optimal comp for that, right? It's how quickly can we build their faces in, uh, and you know how little casualties can we take while doing that right double mm-hmm. lucio double mccree you can throw a mercy in there that's fine yeah. and then winston's right this is no surprise and mccree in general was incredibly prolific over the whole over the whole weekend it's yeah. my opinion my humble opinion that he's absolutely busted right now <laughs> totally uh, just, just, just 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 <laughs> the flashbang mechanics i'm sorry he's great and i am more than happy to abuse him until the cows come home right now but he's broken and that's why so everyone uses him so much but a couple teams yeah. ran double genji double winston really nice for quick mm-hmm. attacking sides yeah. i think melty nailed that uh, them because they have two excellent uh, Genji players in, in D-Gun, or Flippy could play, but mostly D-Gun and Nico. Mm-hmm. So we got to see a little bit, but most importantly, the teams that Hero switched were the teams that won games, and that's what everyone can really take away from this weekend. Yeah. Did we see any Zarya? I mean, I know there were some mixed in, like instead of running double Winston's, we were, they were running like Winston's Zarya some. 
Yeah, so for example, Northern Gaming Blue, who were Gringos, they've now changed it, Soda, Soda Poppins team, I guess. Mm -hmm. They relied on uh, the Graviton Surge Dragon Strike combo as well, which is kind Ooh. of interesting because Reinhardt Shield doesn't mean anything, of course, with that yeah, all, but actually getting the pieces of the puzzle all together is kind of hard to do. Um, but yes, you often saw Zarya in lieu of maybe one Winston, or instead of like a Winston, there'd be just Reinhardt Zarya combo. Mm -hmm. uh, players like Crew specifically were very, very, very good at energy management, right? They'd be charged up 100% before they even got close to the point. So um, plays with good foresight and good communication. Graviton Surge, ironically enough, I think probably employed it best, but we saw Tavik play excellent on Zaya throughout the weekend as well. So yeah, mm -hmm. I think it was yep. reasonably prolific. Yeah, that was cool seeing Tavik play Zarya. Uh, I didn't actually catch him play that much of it before that, but it was, it was definitely cool seeing him switching between that. And just as normal, obviously as normal comps or normal characters. Uh, Shade, what do you think of Zarya right now? Just in just even in just NA, is is Zarya? We're starting to see her more. Um, I mean, my, me personally, I think she's mm -hmm. the most fun tank to play. Like, yeah. if I have to fill that role, I immediately pick Zarya. She's super fun. Yeah. Um, for some reason lately, I feel like I don't know if it's just all the new people playing the game, but I find it really easy to get high energy. So I don't know if that's like a new thing. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Or if it's always been that way. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I just find it super easy now to just immediately get high energy. And like I said, I don't know if that's like new people playing the game that are still figuring Probably. out like, yeah. don't shoot the shield. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think we saw her quite a bit um, over the weekend for <laughs> the NA tournament, yep. the Agents Rising, like a, a lot, mostly from C9, I think. Mm -hmm. um, yep. Kai Kai has been playing her a shit ton. Um, but yeah, I don't know. She's really fun to play, and she's obviously doing really well in like a meta standpoint because she's being played a ton too. So yeah, ben, yeah. I mean, you, you can't. Zarya has never really fallen out of the meta. She's been picked consistently since the yep. first phases of the beta. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think this weekend, she at least uh, for the Agents Rising tournament, she had a bit of a resurgence. Yep. Uh, we did see double Zarya a couple. Like Clutch was playing double Zarya a lot. Um, uh, some other teams picked up, picked double Zarya, but like you said, Mitch, uh, it, it was in lieu of another Winston in the double Winston strategy, or just a, a lot of the time with Reinhardt and Zarya pair. They pair together quite well, actually. <laughs> um, and I think really the reason we're seeing her a lot more is because teams and players individually are starting to learn the timings for how to use that bubble just a little bit better. And we're seeing things more commonly like throwing the Zarya bubble on a alting McCree yes. or yeah. uh, even even just a Reinhardt as he, as he moves forward and starts bashing away. You exactly. can dash forward and then just start bashing away with that Zarya shield. Uh, if you pl place it at the right time... Uh, it is actually so so effective, and people just didn't really have that timing uh, prior to prior to recently. I mean, uh, it's it's not all that complicated conceptually to put a shield on when you're expecting the damage to come, but it's only I feel like we're only really starting to see it become super super effective now. Um, and again, it does just pair so well with so many ultimates and individual heroes as well. So mm -hmm. yeah, we saw a ton of Zarya this weekend. Still, Reinhardt and Winston played more, but. Yeah, Zarya has definitely made a made a statement for being kind of a replacement to either or. I mean, uh, especially Winston, it's kind of interchangeable depending on your play style and, and, and the point in the map. Um, you know, Winston obviously still has the verticality aspect, but uh, yeah, Zarya's great. Mm -hmm. I think out of all the tanks, I always feel more safe with Zarya on my team. <laughs> like if I'm playing support, which is pretty much always... Then I feel more safe, like even with a Reinhardt, I don't feel as safe as with the Zarya, with the Winston. 
not so much with Zarya. I'm like, oh, I'm I'm never gonna die. This is great. I'm just gonna get shielded and I'm gonna live forever. And I'm gonna get all the roses in the world. It's gonna be great. Yeah, she's hard to kill too. And I, I think to your point, Ben, too, is that um, the efficiency that I think that like these teams are getting to the point, especially kill efficiency, that buying a little like literally an extra second or two for any of the 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 characters, I mean, can win or lose a ma- match or usually wins yeah. a match actually like the Reinhardt. I mean, you give Reinhardt like two more swings. I mean, you're, you're talking like potentially two more kills right there. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, they're getting, and also really, really with Bastion. Yeah. Bastion. That's true. Giving Bastion an opportunity to set up. Actually, I want to yeah. ask Mitch, did you see much Bastion this weekend? <laughs> yeah. We saw. Uh, we did see a little bit. Yeah. So great example is Bromas from creation. If he has a chance, he'll try and play it. Good example, he tried it multiple times on Route 66 with yep. differing degrees of success, I feel, on the attacking side, mind you. There's not, on the attacking not defensive side? side so, okay. Yeah, so Bromas wow. is a very good flex player. He's incredibly, incredibly good. I prefer to see him on the career if I want his team to win, but we did see him switch to that Bastion uh, reasonably often, and he'll do it more than happening on that first point of Numbani, right? Where we mm-hmm. see teams that will play that Symmetra Torbjorn uh, combination where it's just so enclosed. We don't often see it on other maps. They'll do it there. Bromas played Bastion as much as he could, but Genji wrecks him so hard. So again, like <laughs> if you're going up against Melty or something and they're employing that strategy or a team that has one or maybe two Genjis that can proficiently you know, cause you problems, you just don't bother with it. But luckily, of course, one of the best Genjis at the event was on creation in Lynx, so they didn't really have too many problems. Every now and then, he busted out for those... Uh, those first points on a hybrid map all get cheeky on the attacking side of any payload map. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we actually saw a number of Bastion picks in the Agents Rising tournament. You know, we've seen Surefor pick Bastion quite a few times yep. over the last several months, uh, but that was very much so the case this weekend. And also, uh, Team Liquid Zoms was picking Bastion on a lot of different maps, mm-hmm. and not necessarily sticking with Bastion. You know, headstrong. Uh, just sticking with Bastion no matter what. No, it was actually just uh, switching to Bastion a lot of the time to force a reaction out of the opponents. And it did that very, very effectively. When you switch to Bastion and you don't have the right comp to deal with that, you're going to have to change things up, which kind of can set this chain uh, effect where you know they switch and then you can counterpick their counterpick. Yep, yep. Uh, so I definitely like seeing Bastion come into the meta a bit. Um, and it was really interesting because Bastion actually at a very high level only really effective if you have a quite a specific composition. I'm, I'm pretty Absolutely. sure you saw the same thing. It has to be the Reinhardt shield in front. Mm-hmm. It has to be a Mercy damage boosting and healing. Uh, really, really like sticking to, onto the Bastion. Frequently, it also has to have a Widowmaker. Um, doesn't have to have the Widowmaker, but it just does seem to combo very, very well. And also, like we were mentioning before, Zarya, really a key part of that. So if you're playing Bastion, there's a likely chance that you're paying this one composition of Lucio, Mercy, uh, Widowmaker, Reinhardt, uh, maybe Azaria. That one's the that one's the one that's a little bit more up in the air. But you basically want to have that exact composition when you're playing Bastion. But when you do have that, it works really well and forces a response like almost every time. Yeah, that's that's. We saw quite a few times okay. where Zoms picked Bastion on King of the Hill, right? Li Jang. Yeah, and sure for yes. Amount, yeah. yes, and just yeah, just really tearing just tearing up the just the objective area, right? Uh, I think there's so just quickly on that topic. Mm-hmm. There's also an expectation upon Bastion players today to peel for themselves, and while that may not oh, mean yeah. healing themselves in a fight or avoiding, but actually moving right, be that cello player in the marching band and actually be ready to be mobile like around that point. Um, 
to a degree, if you're needing to babysit a bastion, that's a bit too much of an allocation of resources to one player. When you're, if, unless your strategy hinges on it, which is fine, but most often it's a bit of icing on top. It's extra damage. It deals with Winston's really well. That's the biggest thing about it. It wrecks double Winston comps so hard, mm -hmm. especially yeah. when you have um, Reapers that get wrecked by the opposition McCree. So you can't really play Reaper a lot of the time. Bastion can deal with that quite well if you set him up correctly. So self-heal, move around the map. Uh, but you do need to look after yourself and not have too many resources allocated to you. Otherwise, it's like it's like a black game of Jenga and there's nothing really good to take out and the whole tower falls down. Yeah, it's an all-in type of thing, like once it happens. And as generally, that's why people end up switching off of it. I rarely see some of the teams playing it the entire map. Uh, very few times, unless they're having a lot of success, obviously. Lijang um, Tower, LG versus C9. Now too. <laughs> Yes, okay. we all saw that one. Yes, we all saw that one. <laughs> like I said, uh, when you're having success with it, then you know why switch, right? But you know, one thing that uh, Team Liquid did quite a few times against Cloud9 in the grand finals, when Cloud9 would switch to Bastion, they would actually also switch to Bastion. So this is one counter to Bastion I haven't seen before. Is just another Bastion. So we actually saw multiple times two Bastions wailing down <laughs> Reinhardt shields, just trying to kill each other. Uh, that was the first. Yeah, definitely cool. Um, okay, well, why don't we uh, transition over to the NA land, uh, Esports Arena Agents Rising, and this is, of course, the event that Fish Sticks you were casting at, uh, as well as, let's see, who else? So it was T-Squared, um, uh, Huck, and, of course, Joshi. And, and you Jamerson. Guys, yeah. And Jamerson, too. Yeah, that's right. I really and, like and Jamerson a lot, yeah, actually. You like I had Jamerson? never heard of him. I had okay. never heard of him before this yeah. event, and I thought he did awesome. I was like, yeah, it was good casting. Really I enjoyed it. I yeah, I mean, uh, I don't yeah, think he, he's done anything really at Overwatch so far, from what I could tell, because I haven't heard of him. Before, I think this, I think this might but, be one of his first things. Yeah, with Overwatch, uh, yeah, he did, he did really he did a solid good. job. Yeah, he definitely did a solid job. Uh, of course, Ben, you did a great job too. My <laughs> Ben just long. Did a long <laughs> I mean, it was like a long day too. Like, I mean, how many hours were you casting the last day? Well, it's funny because uh, I work at Twitch and I, I've been hands-on with so many events now, but from the social media marketing partnership side of things yeah. where I'm more there to make sure that everything's going smoothly and partner and like our relationship with the partner is going well and yeah. you know, sending out tweets. But uh, this time I went as talent for the very first time for like full 13, 14, 15 hour work days. And uh, <laughs> it's a very, very different perspective at that point uh, because we actually only each got one solid break each day. So yeah, That's when you're crazy. on the analysis desk, you're not really casting the whole time. So, you, you know, you can relax a little bit, but yeah. you're basically on for 14 hours. Um, you know, you wake up 7, yep. 7.30, get yep. to the venue 8.39, and then you cast for 12 to 13 hours uh, with very little break, which uh, I, it may sound like I'm, I'm complaining. I, it was actually a ton of fun. Like, yes, you get tired, but the adrenaline will tend to carry you through. Um, but yeah, it was kind of interesting seeing that side for the first time for myself, at least. Yeah, Mitch knows the grind, man, of course. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I think my favorite moment of the entire like caster desk analyst desk experience was when uh, T Tom and T2 and uh, Huck were trying to fill dead time between either a game or there was an audio issue or something. And they decided to 
they, he was like, we're going to throw it back to the analyst desk. And Tom just went like this with his hands, like threw it. And oh, yeah. it literally was like perfect timing. It was the funniest <laughs> thing ever. Was that was great. the first literal throw. Like that's the a throw. production. Yeah, he's like, like we're going to throw it back to the caster's desk. And it just like, it was perfect. It was perfect timing. Yeah. I don't think he realized it. I think he just kind of did it and it was just, it worked perfectly. <laughs> It was like yeah. my favorite Kudos to the, I guess the producers on that, at least for the timing. Uh, so the venue, too, looked like it was happening. It looks like, you know, just, yeah. just kind of like takes place. Too. I mean, it, it just looked like there was a party there. So talk about that a little bit, too. Was that just all teams or was, I mean, there was definitely a crowd, but there were times where there were some empty seats, too. So yeah. what was the actual turnout? Uh, honestly, for, yeah. the audience was mainly comprised of players. I mean, you have to remember mm-hmm. 32 teams attended this thing. So 32 times six, you do the math, it's about 200 so, people. Yep. Uh, about 200 people were just playing in the tournament. So uh, the majority of the audience was just players and then like the close friends and family of the players. Although I did meet a couple of people that came from out of town just for the tournament. I met a a little kid with his mom who flew from Texas just to attend uh, the land, which was really, really cool. Um, uh, So yeah, I mean the audience, it was, it was relatively small to be frank. Uh, We probably only ever had more about 50 people uh, in the crowd, but uh, during the grand finals and, and leading up into the grand finals, they were getting really into it. And uh, that was actually the first time I've been to an event at the esports arena. And I'm impressed with those really? guys. Okay. You know, yeah, it is actually. I, I I had seen it when they were building the thing a couple of years back, but yeah. I hadn't actually been in. That's um, a great venue. But yeah. A couple of things like first of all, the production team was top notch. Uh, the fact that we had highlights cut and ready to go basically less than five minutes after the match ended was mm-hmm. really really cool. Um, and the and, and those of you who are watching the stream, I think that we did a pretty damn good job with the observing too, because we actually had three total observers. Um, oh, bless two, okay, okay, we, we got to talk yeah. about that. All right, so yeah, uh, you know, during during the finals or semifinals, uh, you know, Imagine hopped on the Discord, and we were, you know, just I, I got a chance to just ask him like, what's the setup like right now? Because I didn't get a chance to ask, and then I found out Flow was specking. I didn't even know Flow was specking too. So yeah, three three specs and a director, and I'll say right now, and Shade, you can you can you know like agree or disagree, but by far the best specked event that we've seen in Overwatch like so far. Uh, you know, a lot of it still was, you know, it actually convinced me that first person actually might be okay. You know, like just like staying on first person as much as, you know, like I, I was a, a huge advocate of not staying so much on first person as we have like leading just up to date. But then the job that they did and just timing, you know, just the, just the right people, the right people that had alts coming or, you know, just whatever DPS or, you know, just carry that was just, just unloading. I mean, they caught so many great plays that um, it was just obvious that it was this was like the best that we've seen so far and then i found out later it was three you know it's basically three cameramen with a director and i was like oh okay now we're talking <laughs> now right, we're freaking so talking and, uh, look at mitchie man oh my god mitch, mitch is I like oh yeah the week, the week that we had rachel on the show um after the show ended the three of us were kind of still hanging out and talking a little bit and chanman and i had a conversation about like how do we make this game work through spectator and observer because right now the way that's being done is not working yeah and i think our conversation we were like we usually have 10 people like spectating <laughs> I don't know about 10, different but things that like, are happening yeah like and, five like, yeah, overhead exactly. views yeah, yeah maybe exactly. not 10 but you know yeah, what yeah, i mean yeah. it's like you need to have a lot of people especially like if blizzard is going to do something huge esports wise like they need to make sure that everything is being covered every angle is like seen and caught in case a big play does happen and you're mm. you could be potentially watching someone else 
when something huge is going on that you might miss. And if you have multiple observers, you can catch that and then play it later on and be like, hey, you know, we didn't catch this during the game, but check out this huge play that happened. And mm -hmm. yep. one of the things that I didn't like, though, about the, I guess, not production, but I guess the playback of the games that was going on mm -hmm. was there was a few points, um, a couple minutes during every game where they would put up cameras of the players um, in like the middle of the screen and it would cover alt charge. Oh, of of like whoever they respect, which is at the everything. Time. Yeah, which is everything, right? Yeah. Right. And that's such an important thing to see. Yeah, that's true. Like, yeah. Especially as a spectator, that. like watching mm. the game, and especially people learning and seeing stuff for the first time, like yeah. not knowing what alt charge is at is like pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so exactly. you know, like if anyone from mm. the team that is out there listening, don't ever do that again. Yeah. <laughs> Mitch. Potentially, potentially unpopular opinion here as well. But while we're on the topic of talking about making the game more viewable or more interpretable, mm -hmm. yeah. I think to a degree, when people, when people and spectators in general uh, start to understand the game a bit more, it's going to make more sense to them as well. And we may not need twenty guys specking. Obviously, the problem is is that all the people that we want to really impress and attract are the people that are new, right? That's the hard part. So. Um, I generally think that if you have a spectator that understands the game, that is familiar, that knows what's important to be watching, that knows that they need to be watching Seagull or Lynx or Tvik or whatever, that's a good start. But I think a lot of this will be assisted by people having an understanding and playing the game themselves, knowing where, where sort of everything is around them. And also, you know, I agree with the first person idea. Uh, we want to tell these players stories, right? I was probably guilty of too much third person, so I could like allow people to understand what the heck was going on with all the clutter. Yeah. But what's more important, mm -hmm. in my opinion, is showing off the players and what they can actually do with the game. Yeah, you have to balance that with making it understandable, but uh, I think people will also make more sense of it as we go on. Yeah, it's One a, of my it's favorite a... things is... Oh, sorry. Okay. I was going to say, it's about plays, you know what I mean? It's about really showing off these players, making huge plays, and um, kind of following up on your point uh, just with the... Uh, just you know, having a, a, the observers understand the game, um, it's another level, and it's like another level that which we've seen, which is like we need a director that like completely understands the game on top of cams that you know ca camera people that can you know showcase whatever their role is, like to showcase this team or showcase this one player, like just make them look as good as possible, and then it's the director's job, right, to really call call you know what's being shown and it's cool that we're you know this is like the first attempt at it and that's why i just want to make sure that people understand like how, what the quality was like this week and you know you know mitch you know mitch was just already talking about how painful or how difficult it is for a caster to do it so um you know ben was definitely spoiled this week by getting a chance to to just focus purely on casting and how was that ben? Was like you get to you have to observe a lot of times too yeah, uh, of course, it's really nice having someone else to the observing for you. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think we did a really good job. I want to give a huge shout out to our three observers. We had Imagine and Flo, who's done a lot of StarCraft II observing in the past. And then we also had Scene K. Mm -hmm. uh, that said, I think we still have a really, really, really long way to go. Of course. Um, yeah. Watching the VODs last night, I was just taking tons and tons of notes uh, about how I personally think we can change things. And everyone has a completely different opinion about, well, almost every aspect of observing. But, I mean, I, I personally think that we could have done maybe a little bit more third person uh, towards the end there. It seemed like 95% first. Uh, yep. I think something like 30, 70 would, would be pretty nice. Um, and it's all about context, too. I mean, when, when the team's 
are when there's a lot of when there's downtime like there's three people on attack die and they're you know the other three just run back to spawn to wait like i don't want to watch first person for 30 seconds of nothing happening show me the positions on defense show me yep, how people absolutely. are coming out on offense and how the team is like splitting up um, another thing is like we had picture in picture which was really 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 cool yes, um, yes. but over the i was watching the vods last night and i think one thing that we could do with picture in picture is like we are typically doing free float cam in the picture in picture so you could see the action from a uh, bird's eye view, but then the camera would move around a little bit, which kind of made it a little bit hard to watch both the main screen and picture in picture. So one of the notes I took is like, if we do picture in picture and have that be bird's eye, just like stay as high as you can and move as little as possible, just so you could see the characters running around and moving uh, without having to readjust and like uh, make sense of it again. I think that would be something that would yeah. could help a little bit. Uh, but yeah, I mean the, the observers did a, a really nice job. Um, it made casting way, way easier. Um, another thing that I think could be really useful moving into the next tournament is if one of the casters actually does have the ability to spectate in-game. And I don't know if this would uh, maybe not necessarily capture that point of view for the stream, but if one of the casters had the ability to spec and fly around so we could see things uh, at our own pace, maybe maybe if you have like a tri-cast or something, maybe have the analysis analyst uh i messed up that word like four times over the weekend uh but maybe have the analyst with the spectator mode so that they can kind of take their own point of view and and look at things how they want to do i think would be pretty helpful because as nice as it is just to watch one screen and commentate what you're seeing there it it, there were times where i'm definitely like oh i want to check on this oh i just saw that guy go that way but we're not watching them like i want to see how they're flanking Um, having that control on the caster desk i think could also be pretty useful yeah, green. Mitch, you're going to say something. Yeah, absolutely. I think there are quite a few things that you can see at a glance, uh, like on the on the spectator screen. Right? You can see health, you can see your ultimate charge percentage, although that can sometimes be somewhat obscured. What's really important to see is is uh, cooldowns and stuff like that as well. Mm-hmm. Is McCree's flashbang on cooldown, or did he just get wrecked one v one by that mercy because he can't aim? So a great example would be, I mean, same as League of Legends, right? Their analyst has access to they're in the game themselves so they can mouse over items they can see how many charges the tier of the goddess has they can see whatever they can look at people's stats you know that, that's obviously really really helpful and they can see something from a different angle so if you can't capture this on the screen and i'm looking at the clean feed from the observers i also can't tell that the tracer flanked in from the back of the fire and mm-hmm. and got and I, I can see that they killed them i can conject if i hear the pulse bomb i know that they killed them with a pulse bomb but how what why and when and who you know right. mm-hmm. um, in the future as well what i'd love is the ability maybe this is possible Maybe it's not the way the servers are set up, but being able to use some time scale and actually be able to go back in time. Because one thing that I think the LCS does very well is one observer is at on time, the other observer is about 10 seconds behind. And that observer, or ahead, sorry, like they're, they're rewinded, right? So they can tell the guy who's live what's going to be happening, where he needs to be or what he needs to be ready to capture. That would be amazing. Yeah, that would be amazing. Yeah, and totally. uh, that that was possible in TF2 as well. So it's been something that we've suggested to Blizzard. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think a couple of different people have submitted documents, including that as a as a wish list feature. So we'll see. Please visit. <laughs> we should still One stay. Of the things should... I would really oh, like to see you. from like a spectator point of view or like an observer is if you had the ability, like you like to speak what Ben was saying, um, to kind of have a camera like way high up in the air, as high as you can get it. Um, I think part that comes with that is cutting off the tops of rooftops on the map. Right, right. And like transparency invisible too. rooftops, yeah. basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, especially on places like Dorado, 
um, like Lijiang Tower, second point, where the control point literally has a roof on top of it. Like if you could go above the the control point itself and still see down inside, I think that would be really, really amazing. Like just having kind of a transparent roof or just cutting off the roofs of stuff like that. I mean, that. Mo- most of the single um, control points actually have roofs on them. So yeah, in general, I think, yeah, it just needs to like, just... Even from recording scrims and mm-hmm. doing kind of like an overhead view of stuff like that, it's it's really difficult to get a good view of what's going on from an overhead when you have to like position yourself like in a corner of the room and like try to get an overhead view from there. It would be so much easier if there was just from yeah. you know the spectator position everything was transparent over the top yeah definitely i still think we should stay away from winston's like just engagements uh, that was the one times where it's just like we'd go to him and whether it was it wasn't really so much first person winston as much it was as it was the person winston was attacking and all of a sudden you would see the camera just like literally going in all kinds of directions and it was you know that's that's definitely never good from the standpoint of of showing uh you know just that perspective to the the audience so uh still need to find figure out that winston's obviously going to be going to be in the meta for here and there or just forever and it's something that we'll probably just just some types of techniques that we'll have to figure out for that um but overall yeah definitely good uh you know obviously there's a lot of games we should get to the games just want to you know talk about the production uh just make sure we get to it uh but yeah let's talk about the actual teams and and the games i mean there was you know, as much storyline as we were talking about with creation, there was a big storyline with Team Liquid, I think, in generally in this tournament. Uh, didn't knock off C9, you know, like like creation did with Rogue. Uh, in fact, they got stomped by C9 <laughs> the first time they ran into each other in the winner's bracket. Uh, but Team Liquid was able, you know, to fight just from the loser bracket all the way back up and then, you know, meet C9 in the finals again and made it kind of interesting in the very beginning of it, too. I think everybody was like, what's happening right now? This is, yeah. is, this, is Liquid really going to do this? Uh, it so, was so much closer than I think some people realized. Like, yeah. that grand finals was the most hype I think I've ever been for an Overwatch tournament or like a series or anything. It was so good. And I kind of wish they hadn't given C9 the 2-0. What is this extended series thing, dude? I don't, like, I understand what was up the with winner's that? bracket advantage. I get that. Like, you need to give the winner's bracket an advantage. But, like, with the way that the point system was, I think 2-0 was a bit much. And you could have made it a little bit longer of a series if you had just put them up 1-0 instead of 2 yeah, uh, I just don't. I just don't like extended series. Period. It should have been double elimination, just like let's go. Like we've we've had this talk yeah. with MLG. Like I don't know how many times in the past. Like I, I thought we were done I, with this. Actually, I don't actually. Hate, I don't actually dislike extended series inherently. I don't think it's necessarily bad. I, I do agree with with Lynn that uh, it, maybe if it was just a one zero advantage, that could have changed things a little bit. Um, it would have made that we meant that we've gone to a final map. Uh, I guess if it was one zero versus two zero, it felt right. incomplete. Um, but, basically, mm-hmm. yeah, we we were just worried though. I mean, we were worried about doing double elimination because it it was already a couple hours over late. schedule. Sure. Um, yeah, we would have probably you know we could have been there really really late if it was double elimination, uh, or sorry if they if they could have reset the bracket. Um, but yeah, I mean, like talking about the the teams and the storylines a little bit. Uh, I think the the standout storyline for me is that North America uh, now has a number of teams that are all around similar skill level as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. Um, Cloud9 still 
you know, even though the finals was really close, Team Liquid played incredibly well. They played so, so much better than we've ever seen them play before. Uh, but below Cloud9, we've now got these three teams that kind of established themselves this weekend. You know, Team Liquid playing with a whole with two new players, so it's a very different roster than any time mm-hmm. beforehand. Yep. But Gale Force Esports played so yes. well. We've seen Code right. Seven play well a couple of months ago, but they've been really much, pretty much off the the radar of the competitive scene. They haven't been entering tournaments. They haven't been doing anything in the public face. Uh, so they played super well, man. Like I was mm-hmm. so impressed with the play out of Nicholas, especially Nicholas and Torque, the guys that are kind of yes. best known as the DPS players on this team. They played so well in their fragging ability, but it was more than just fragging ability. Um, we had this moment where they were, it was uh, Gale Force versus Team Liquid, and Zoms had switched on over to Bastion, and uh, Nicholas was playing Widow to start things off, but he's like, shit, I can't get behind this Reinhardt shield. So he ran back to spawn, and he switched to D.Va, yes. which yeah, when I'm that. casting, I'm like, D.Va to counter Bastion? Like, I hadn't even thought of this as like a good counter, but what he did is he synergized perfectly with the two Winstons on his team, playing with three tanks, and they at, just as the Winstons were jumping up, D.Va flew up, used... Uh, the defensive matrix to absorb all of Bastion's shots. Wow. And then the two Winstons were in Bastion's face immediately. And like, I can't speak highly. I, I can't say enough about that kind of play because it's really rare that you see something that unique in overwatch. Um, so that was, and that was Nicholas who, who switched to diva. They obviously had this in their back pocket. So it's That's not just the awesome. aim and fragging ability, but it's also the strategies that we saw out of Gale Force. And then Colorado Clutch was also a team that we had never seen before. They hadn't played in a single tournament ever. Um, they've been behind the scenes scrimming six to ten hours a day for weeks and weeks and weeks in the end of the in the end of the beta phase. And they played really, really well. I mean, they they had a really close game against Gale Force, who had a really close game against <laughs> Team Liquid, who had a really close game against Cloud9. Which so all of these teams played really well. And uh, I, I'm just happy to see that North America is looking pretty stacked all of a sudden because you've got Cloud9, you've got LG, but then now you've got these three new teams that just kind of established or reestablished their presence as like a high level Overwatch team this weekend. Let's not also forget awesome. that okay, uh, Envy too. Envious is mm-hmm. now Envious NA as well. Yep. I don't, NA, I don't know. Are they NA? <laughs> like, They're officially NA. About it. We'll I see. mean, they're playing it's in five Euro- they're playing okay. servers. They're officially it's five Europeans, but I heard that they're like not all going to stay forever. Yeah. It might be just temporary. So I don't know they what to call NG right now. Six months. So for the next six yeah. months, they're NA. <laughs> okay, like, fair enough. I play well, against Taimu like every morning now. So Well, whatever it is. <laughs> go back to you whenever yeah. you want at this point because <laughs> his widow is too much for my morning solo queue. Yeah, but anyway, yeah, NA is looking pretty good here, and uh, you know, tournaments like this, you know, esports arena that's just completely open. This is this is like best case scenario where we get to see some new teams rising, even teams that have been already playing some tournaments and they're stepping it up to the next level. Just a progression, right? That's really the key thing to see with teams, and and we're starting to see that. Uh, just. If we haven't talked about it yet, you know, congratulations, obviously, to Cloud9 for winning the tournament. Uh, you know, we all expected, but still, it is a feat. You know, just uh, just completing it, and and I think what happened with Cloud9 a little bit is just that they just didn't. They were just sitting there waiting for like hours and hours, just seeing who you know who was uh, their opponent was going to be, and it might have been a little bit cold starting off the the series too, but. You know, whatever reason, you know, it ended up being an an, an interesting thing. Uh, but generally, guys, I don't hate to bring it up again. Extended series. Imagine if it wasn't, guys. It would have been so tight in this first. Yeah. You know, between the the two and this whole 
uh, King of the Hill, where we count each of the rounds as a point. Ugh, I, I don't know if I love that either. Um, it's it, it was definitely favorite yeah. round nine too. I think, uh, in my opinion. I mean, the thing is, right? You also have to ask yourself how much is appropriate to give a team an advantage for being in the upper bracket, right? Yeah. There's such thing as too much and too little. For example, we gave the it was a best of seven. We gave creation a one map advantage. Yeah, one. sure. Have a sure, best yeah. of seven. And you could probably justify giving them two, to be fair, because it's an extended series. It's a best of seven, and then it turns into essentially a best of three for them. I think uh, you should you should be rewarding a team for uh, for obviously coming through oh, the upper bracket. No... I think there's I don't think there's yeah that's that's obviously an obvious one. No one's arguing with that. But yeah. when you can get two points per map in this system that we had at Agents Rising, that may be maybe too much considering we didn't actually get to see a whole lot played ultimately of course with Lee Jung up first and the other two after maybe just a teeny, little bit too much yeah it, it's one of those things where absolutely you have to give them advantage but it's one of those things where you just kind of like it to be a clean slate going into the finals again just at least feel like that you know even though they might have a set advantage but at least start zero zero you know because even mentally it, it's probably better for you know the the team that's behind to kind of go into it. it's like okay fresh start you know, we can get, you know, we can kind of start over and, you know, maybe get this set and then, you know, maybe pull momentum into the second one. Uh, but no question, we should give them an advantage. It's just, I don't, I just never love just giving a, a team some kind of advantage going into the finals because it's pretty rare that they come back, to be honest. I don't know what the statistics are in StarCraft or whatnot when, we, when we've used extended series. It's not very often that they come back. And I, I have to think that it's not just you know just having a 2-0 lead as much as it's it's a mental thing too these games are like have a lot to do with psychology and things like that and i don't know starting 0-0 is a big deal in my opinion well the fact yeah. is they could play lijang tower which may be in my opinion <laughs> yeah. require a heck of a lot of strategies right. so by the time they finished that game and haven't used it's any over, strategy right? and haven't shown anything it's 4-0 already you're like what <laughs> yeah, that's a good point that's a good and great point I, th- I actually the the format that I suggested that they use for this tournament and the, the one that I kind of like the most is round robin group stages into single elim bracket with long sets. That is my favorite uh, my favorite format because it, yeah, it's pretty like fair. It. Uh, you know, even if seating is a little bit off, the double elimination or sorry, the uh, round robin groups kind of mitigates that. And then you go into re- like best of fives, best of sevens, even best of nine, maybe grand finals mm-hmm. in single elimination. And then you have these really long epic sets where everything is on the line. Every single yep. set matters because one team is going to get sent sent home. So I personally like that as the, my favorite format. Just throwing that. I out do too. There. No, for, I think for I mean, anyone groups have always been good because like from a even just from an event organizer standpoint, you fill, you know, you fill hours, you fill days with the group stages and you get to see, you know, just all the the teams and they play whatever three or four matches guaranteed to play those matches right in the group stages. And then like you said, Ben, it sets up for a great final day where every single game and match matters and uh, it's, you know, just their tournament life matter is determined in each of those. It makes up for an epic thing. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, okay, so I, I guess the, anything meta-wise, I mean, we talked a little bit about meta just in, in ter- when we were talking about the takeover um, with this event, too. Any Anything else stand out with you guys? Uh, I saw some, man, I saw uh, I saw some folks playing May there, too. Like, uh, <laughs> some yeah, key, we saw a key, tiny, key, tiny right? bit of May, and, <laughs> that it, and crazy. it worked. I mean, yeah. teams were having some success with May, but she was still still very rarely played in the grand scheme of thing, yeah. things. And I imagine probably similar to what you guys saw over in Europe this weekend, we just saw a ton of McCrees 
you know, double McCree on almost any map. Um, yeah. Other than Lijiang, like in Lijiang, people still stuck with like tracers, tracers but yeah. outside of Lijiang, it was double McCree, double McCree on a lot of different maps. If not double, at least one McCree per team. And there were points where there were five McCrees running around the field. <laughs> yeah. um, can we just pretend that the five tracer Will Lucio never happened so I can stop having nightmares? <laughs> <laughs> that yeah, was, oh, we, yeah, we have to talk about that, right? Yeah. That, Team Liquid opened up, uh, was it Lee Chung Tower? That was GFE with... first. Oh, oh, was it Gale Force? I think oh, well, yeah, we saw it? both G- oh. G- Gale Force and Team Liquid yeah, pull the yeah, strategy yeah. out at different times. Five tracers. And actually, it kind of like uh, Team Liquid playing it against Cloud Nine. They forced a response. Like Cloud Nine mm-hmm. couldn't stick with their two McCree, their their two two two, two McCree, two Winston, two Lucio strategy. They had to actually change up because even though the McCrees were able to get like single flashbang kills on uh, on tracers zipping around them, there would always be another tracer or two to just stay mobile, stay out of stay out of harm's way, and then get the kill. So they actually the most it, satisfying thing I've ever heard watching uh, Sheriff Force POV. On yeah. the map where they played, where Liquid played the five tracer, uh, one Lucio, and you could just hear the headshot dink of the tracer going down. <laughs> dink, dink. Dink, 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 dink. I'm like, yes, this is happening. They're dead. <laughs> Don't come back now. Um, but yeah, I mean, in terms of other notable uh, kind of shifts, uh, we saw more Symmetra this time than oh, we've okay. seen recently. Like we've all we've seen so little Symmetra. Um, in the last couple tournaments, and it's not a ton of Symmetra this time either, but we did see Symmetra coming into play on a number of points, obviously always on defense, but uh, the teleporter really made a big difference. And actually, I saw in the grand finals, we saw the most ridiculous teleporter uh, play I have ever seen in my entire history of playing and casting Overwatch. Uh, oh, basically, right Vonna, Vonnefil yeah, yeah, put awesome. a Symmetra teleporter down right awesome. in front of uh, <laughs> Surfor, who had his Genji Dragon Blade out, oh, was slashing Vonnefil. He puts the teleporter awesome. down, and I think, like, I hate to say it, but I think there might have been, uh, like, a netcode bug or something, because he slashed at the teleporter, and it didn't connect. It. Yeah. And suddenly, Three the entirety of out. Team Liquid popped <laughs> out, awesome. even though I thought there was a 0% chance that you know, that teleporter wasn't going to go down immediately. But that actually allowed Team Liquid to hold on to point A, uh, the first point, yep. the first capture point on King's Row. And they ended up full holding Cloud9 in that map uh, while Cloud9 was trying to attack. They full held them uh, on King's Row, which, like, that basically never happens. when Even with two equally skilled teams, that never happened. And then, you know, we had just watched Cloud9 smash Team Liquid. So for me, that was almost the moment of the tournament. Um, because it, was, it allowed it Team Liquid to full hold on defense, and then they actually won on attack as well. So they had a 2-0 victory on King's Row, which is... Which, my, why I was so mad that they got a, a 2-0 start in that series, because... That's what I mean. It would have been so close, like, so if, they, if it would have reset. Yeah, it would have been amazing if they had to, you know, win two think, sets or something. I think Symmetra, we'll talk about it a lot, and I, I'll probably have to echo... Uh, too good on his sentiment here as well. Is Smetra's a bit outdated still on some of these points, right? You get less shield, first of all. Right? 25, mm-hmm. 25 shield, not nearly as much as it used to be, and it makes a huge difference. And now, when you see these compositions that are geared towards getting in your face, a great example is what we see in Europe. There's always Lucio speed boost, right? And normally, normally, teams, if you're going to take Symmetra, you either don't have a Mercy or you don't have a, a Lucio, right? I feel like at the moment, at least what we saw is that they're both essential because as a defending team, if you're defending the first point on King's Row, for example, 
you want to engage. You actually want to engage on the enemy team before they set up and use their Lucio speed boost. You want to wait until they're coming around the back of the statue and they're still a little bit split because maybe the Reinhardt and a, and a McCree's a bit more forward of the rest of the team. And they're, they're the best times to attack on defense. So we saw a lot of teams uh, up against top teams that knew how to fight, who had a Genji or something like that in lieu of either... Yeah, a Mercy or a Lucio got smashed. I think it can work, but it just didn't this weekend in Europe at all. Melty were the team who did that. He used to be bored playing it all the time, and then Cabal was doing it as well. And then what teams were holding when they had Junkrat, Mercy, maybe Symmetra. So they had a res and a TP. In a few cases, we actually saw that Symmetra TPs would actually, they'd full hold and she'd never need to use all their charges because the Mercy was always, always, always charging a roll off a Reinhardt or, or a Junkrat. So it was almost like win more or just a too much of a muchness. Mm, that's a good point. Did Sherfor end up mentioning anything after the game about that to you, Ben? Or was it just kind of like a you thought maybe... It did that look kind of weird. No. It did look weird. I mean, it was I mean like he slashed at the teleporter twice. Yeah. yeah and neither of them connected. Yeah. Which, uh, maybe Team League was. Was it like a range thing? Like maybe he was, wasn't close? To it them? looked like they were in range. I don't know. Maybe the teleporter is invulnerable for the first yeah, split second. Yeah. I, I think not, maybe, when, sure. it's, maybe it is. when it's blossoming or whatever and coming up, I think it was was invulnerable during that time because I, I remember the Dragon Blade too. It was still hilarious just to see yeah. Team Liquid just pile up. Oh, it was huge. I just remember even Ben Cat, like even casting that, like that was like that was unbelievable to watch that. Definitely, if not one of the the plays, or if not the play of the the whole tournament, that was pretty amazing. That diva thing sounds really awesome. Most unique thing. Oh yeah, Yeah, those were those were easily the the two for me. But that was that's pretty awesome too. Uh, Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, Um, definitely great. The only other thing that really stands out to me is it was kind of like the resurgence of Reaper as well. I'm actually curious. Did you see any Reaper at all in Take TV or in the Takeover? Uh, occasionally, yeah. The problem is, right? Uh, I think at the moment, what's maybe more popular to counter out Double Winston is is a Bastion. If they then bring a Genji to counter the Bastion, then you might bring the Reaper, right? <laughs> but we don't always get that far down the chain. Sometimes of teams that are a little bit stubborn and won't actually make the changes. So yeah. we saw it a couple times. It's Route 66, the last point, because it obviously obviously opens up and narrows a little bit. You can flank an enemy team who's trying to capture mm-hmm. and maybe is blindsided by you, but uh, few and far between. And only really on on single points, never for a long duration. Yeah, um, I just thought it was interesting because uh, he he fell off so quickly, so hard. Uh, I feel like we he might be one of the less played, or probably by far the least played DPS character over the last couple of tournaments that we've seen. Uh, but we actually saw some great play out of guys like Harblue. Um, Harblue's Reaper looked really, really, really strong in a lot of cases. And it wasn't even just Harblue. We saw a couple of different people, including Dummy, play uh, Reaper to great effect. Um, wasn't played by Cloud9, obviously. Like they have a pr- they have a pretty standardized set of heroes that they that they typically go with. Uh, but yeah, you know, that seems interesting to me. Uh, especially, you know, the ultimate. You kind of forget how powerful that ultimate can be if it's comboed with Zarya uh, or comboed with you know Reinhardt. Um, but yeah, uh, I think it's pretty much the the notable meta, the new meta things that we saw yeah. take place this weekend. Okay, all right. Uh, MVP, the, you guys had that concept of MVP, and uh, it was ended up being like a twi- Twitter vote. And so in some ways, it's like a popularity contest. Yeah, let, let, let's let's have our MVP. All right, I guess Louis kind of thing. Dummy Louis? is my MVP. Louis? Dummy, really? Dummy is my MVP. Who is your MVP, Ben? I realized uh, Louis. Uh, he played for Clutch. 
Um, oh, he was oh Louis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cree player, actually. He switched. Or, he even played a little bit of Reaper now that I remember correctly. Yeah. Uh, Louis was godlike. Oh, my God. Louis played so, so, so sick. Um, and uh, I'd never even heard of him before. And he was kind of one of the powerhouses of Clutch. So I wanted to give a special shout out to him. But I realized, like, I kind of wish we put Mesrar on the Mes- boat. For sure. He had for some sure. insane saves for Team Liquid. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah. He there played, were like three guys God-like. on Team Liquid. I think Dummy was one of them. Zalms is one of them, and Mez. I mean, they played amazing. And I think Mez was just consistent throughout the entire thing. Dummy, pretty close to that too. Zalms had amazing moments, like crazy game-winning moments. Uh, and but a little bit quiet in the finals uh, at times. But uh, leading up to the finals, I think Zalms like carrying hard for a while. But Team Team Liquid, so I feel like somebody on Team Liquid like, should have won MVP, yeah. in my opinion. There were so many yeah. moments where I was just yelling at my computer monitor. Like, I was so hyped and so excited. <laughs> like, Dummy would get, like, three kills at the McCree ult, and I'm just like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not to say that Sure 4 wasn't odd. Sure 4 is just, you know, solid as usual. And can we please stop talking about him hacking now? I mean, can we just put it to rest? This is a LAN. They won. He played well. It just can we be done with it? Please, yeah. please, community. I mean, what everyone's going to jump to on Reddit and on Twitter and in stream chat is like, oh, you can hack on LAN. And yes, you can hack sure. on LAN. Um, it's just a lot harder. And we had admins pacing around pretty frequently. I'm not going to say like unequivocally LAN proves that you're not a cheater because no. that's just not true. But like there's, I don't know, there's really no point in like arguing about it at this point because like we just saw him, we saw him play so, so well on LAN and the plays that we saw, like it, no, nothing looked really suspicious mm-hmm. to me at all. Um, and I, I don't know what else to say, guys. Like, it's not proof. It's going to be really hard to prove it uh, if we can ever it's, prove it. In I fact. guess the, but, the point is, like, let, let's you know the whole hacking thing. Let's let other people figure it out. Blizzard, in particular, here. Let them figure out what's going on there, and let us just enjoy great play. You know, and just take it what it is. Yeah. Like, and don't stop being paranoid about being duped or anything like that just enjoy enjoy what it is and you know every so often maybe once in a hundred or a thousand times we do get duped and that that happens so what you know we at least get to enjoy we don't have to be paranoid about every everybody that actually plays well like leading up to that and that's all i'm going to say just in terms of just the community i just let's just stop talking about that (laughs) my closing comments would be there's a lot of people that probably don't know how to do a lot of things that say you're cheating but the reality is it's like first of all reddit i mean we'll get onto this i'm sure later on but yeah. most of them aren't interested in esports or at a pro level most yeah. are sick of getting wrecked by bastion every game they play because they don't know how to deal with it <laughs> yeah. so if if we're talking about someone cheating i'm going to ask the pros i'm going to ask them what they think and it did and all the pros said he plays weird time he plays weird but realistically we don't think he's cheating we honestly don't. We think it's reasonable that he can yeah. be this good. His tracking is exceptional, but this is, a, this is a skill that you can learn. I'm sorry. Like, I've seen all the clips. Trust me. I saw them before a lot of people saw them, and we were like, oh, wait a minute. What's going on here? But I don't care what my opinion is. I'm not a pro gamer in Overwatch. I'm not that good. I'm going to ask the pros and see what they have to say. No one. No one at Take thought that Shaw 4 was hacking, realistically. They thought he has a weird play style, and that's, that's all it is. So, and Blizzard's coding team... We'll know if yes. something is possible without outside input or not. So we can put this to rest. There's just no point. He's a land dragon. He's proven it. I don't even understand why this conversation is still happening, but sometimes you just can't put anything past the internet. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, speaking of Reddit. Reddit will be Reddit. Yeah. Speaking of Reddit, let's talk about um, esports coverage on the subreddits. Uh, 
There was none. What esports coverage? There yeah. was yeah. none. I mean, okay, so first off, let me, let's just start with something good first. All right, so the subreddit, I think, I mean, Kiki could probably confirm, but I feel like it grew like 50,000 this weekend or so, something crazy, 40 or 50,000 just from the standpoint of, you know, members or whatnot of the subreddit, the R Overwatch subreddit. Um, but come on, these are two of the biggest LAN events that we've had to date. And we get no coverage on Reddit. I mean, not even a stick. I mean, not even like like the moderators putting any kind of sticky post or anything in the competitive or the the normal one. I mean, what's going on here? I mean, that that's just not right. Like, you can say that yeah, maybe esports isn't big enough in the in the community or whatnot for the casual folks to to know about it. But it's kind of our responsibilities, I guess, as you, you know, just the community, whether you're a you know a, a Reddit moderator or whatnot, to like expose folks to the competitive side of overwatch too because it's it's part of the community too and i just thought that was was like it's just all play the game gifts like Um, like you shouldn't be mad at that yeah you should make sense it's a a new game yeah i'm not mad at it i'm not mad at it i just wish that like i could go to the subreddit and find content that isn't someone's play the game gift well, there is stuff. I mean, there's just, it's like... It's swamped, though. Like, it's it's just... It's just the, the problem is, like, there are literally 10, 20, 30,000 people looking at the subreddit at any time. Right. And that the fact that these play the games, like, these fun clips, they're so shareable, they're so upvotable that they get... Ten, like they get thousands, thousands and thousands of upvotes. Of votes, yeah. So even when a competitive post is made and it gets, like... You know, back in the day, like if a post on any of the major esports subreddits got just a couple of upvotes in the first 10, 15 minutes, it would get it on the front page. But you actually uh-huh. have to get like a hundred upvotes on the to, to get it onto the front page. You need like a hundred upvotes in like the first ten minutes to get it on the front page of our Overwatch. So it's it's actually almost impossible to even find these posts. Even if you want to, actually, well, I will give credit to the R Overwatch subreddit moderators because the CSS is amazing on that subreddit. It is. You, yeah. can, you can actually choose what type of posts you want to look at, look at. Yeah, so you could theoretically only filter for uh, yeah. esports if you wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, look, I'm not, I'm not going to be salty about the main subreddit not jumping onto the esports bandwagon right away. I mean, it, it does make sense. I really wish that we saw some more traction there. Um, but instead of being like salty about the subreddit not doing what what we wanted or what we thought, I think the better thing to do is like us as a competitive community. We've got 250 people watching right now. Um, if you are interested in supporting the esports scene, mm-hmm. be proactive. Be active on going to the subreddits, looking for these posts. When you when you know a tournament finals is happening, there's probably somebody who posted about it. You can go there, find the post, upvote it, make the post yourself. Uh, you know, talk about why you're excited about the matches. Post highlight clips. Does that? Did anyone else see that moment from you know Reaver just now, or did you, yeah. that teleporter play? Mm-hmm. Post clips and highlights from these games too. I mean, if it's a if it's a play of the game clip from a, from an esports tournament, then at least you're going to get the esports coverage out there a little bit more. Um, so I really I, I would look to the competitive community itself to just be active, and I, you know we can't encourage any kind of vote brigading, obviously. Uh, That's all against Reddit's rules. But just in general, post about this stuff, upvote posts you see about this stuff. It's uh, it's really on us. We can make a difference uh, when it comes to the exposure that that esports gets. Yeah, I mean, I, I weigh in on this as well, if I may. Because yeah, first yeah. of all, people, a lot of people complain this is forced, right? It's, esports are so forced. You're not forced to watch 
They're not forced to play. We're not forced to cast. Nothing is forced. No one's forcing anything. Get it in your head, okay? We're doing it because we want to do it. We're not trying to make money out of it. I personally have already a full-time job, so does Fistic, so do many of us. I'm not like this isn't – we're trying to – I'm not forcing you to watch this, right? You can go wherever you like. But the fact is, Overwatch does not become esports until – the community decides it, not until we decide it, sure. us, not until the casters, until the money makers, not until, not when Blizzard decide it, it's when the community decides it. And that'll take some time. So justifiably right now, there's a huge divide between uh, the Overwatch casual community, we'll call them, and the competitive community. This is because a lot of the marketing is heavily targeted at everyday people who want to play a great game. And it is. It's a great game, right? And that's how you get to esports. You start off with a good game and then you get the infrastructure. You have investments later on down the track and you, you, you can guide people, I guess, you know, into that channel. But right now, we just want it to be a great game. That's just all we want. And that's good because a lot of people are enjoying playing the game. A lot of people are enjoying the Hanzo Walt onto five people in the point. A lot of people are enjoying it. It's yeah, fine. I, but, I mean, the thing, the thing is, it's like, it's going to take time to get them across because these people need to understand that there is a scene there. Marketing is important. Most okay. of Blizzard's marketing has not been for esports yet. It's been for the game and fair enough too. I mean, I think both of your points are absolutely right. Um, all I will say is that at least from a request from the standpoint of the subreddit, because the subreddit is the community site. Let's just not, let's not jump hoops or, or just kind of uh, ignore sugarcoat. that fact. It, it, yeah, just sugarcoat or ignore that fact. The subreddits for all the esports communities are the community sites. And as a moderator, I'll just make a request that as an esports person, you know, just add it. Like this is an important thing on the top right corner that has a bunch of different things, whether it's guides well, or stuff. Kiki did mention in chat just a few seconds ago that they're going to add a, a sidebar for esports events. Okay, that'd be great. That's all so. I'm that's that's all I'm asking for. It's just that something <laughs> rant solved. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> uh, just a little bit of exposure because yeah, it, it, we wanted to organically go. That's going to take longer than just having like a link that just exposes a little bit more people. There's a lot of friends that I know that are casual players that know nothing about it, and when I tell them about, it, they're really interested in it. There's like a, there's probably like thousands of people in the similar boat. So, um, yeah, that's all I'm gonna say about. It. Yeah, uh, I mean, with, we had 45,000 viewers watching. I know yes. a lot of those viewers are on the subreddit. <laughs> yes, I yes, know totally. there were some amazing <laughs> clips. Like, it, I just think it's a little bit of concerted effort from us, the enthusiasts, the fan, the community, the the players, the casters. Like, if we all just try a little bit, I think it'll make a difference, and this will just happen naturally as well over yeah, the time. Absolutely. Well, let's not, I think, uh, Shade, you're going to have to get going soon, right? So um, we don't have any questions. We're not going to be able to get the questions this week, so it's definitely save your questions for next week. Uh, but why don't we wrap up? Mitch, amazing having you on, buddy. Like, uh, very, you know, just very insightful with just a lot of the meta talk and just the overall scene. So I uh, had a great time. Hope you had a good time, too. Pleasure to be here, man. I'm with all you've got. Yeah. Fun. Any shout outs you want to do before we take off? Uh, shout outs to Jason Captain because <laughs> I, I guess he was going to come on and I got the chance to do it instead. Uh, shout outs to his massive nose. And shout out to all you guys watching as well who maybe saw me retweet something or saw that I was going to be here and want, maybe wanted to hear. Shout out to Drisaius because he's mad because uh, he's uh, <laughs> thinks McCree is broken. And uh, just everyone as well. Just like Chainman said, if you want to see an esports scene grow, it's up to you guys, not us. So get, get behind it, get interested in it, and spread the word. Yeah, absolutely. Shade, shout-outs. Uh, shout-outs to my stream. I see a bunch of, like, my subs and stuff in chat <laughs> during every show. I love you guys. And shout-outs to the team, LG. Um, hopefully, you guys will see us playing again soon. And we'll definitely be at the next LAN event because 
We should have had this one, but we weren't. Um, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to Fish Sticks and Chan Man, and thank you, Mitch, for being here. I love doing the show with you guys every week. It's like my highlight of my week. So, yeah. Fish Sticks, shoutouts. Thanks to everybody who tuned into the Agents Rising tournament this weekend, or regardless which tournaments you tuned into. Thanks for supporting the Overwatch competitive scene. Uh, I think 45,000 peak concurrent viewers for the first major LAN is really, really encouraging. I actually, I'm like slightly tempted to just put aside my work and like look at numbers for a bunch of esports of esports games to just like try to compare where we are now to where other games were at the very, very beginning. Because uh, I think that's great. I can't wait until we actually have cross-region lands. Because uh, once Europe and North America play against each other in yeah. person, can you even imagine the hype? hype? Like, as soon as that happens, I think 100K, easy. Because even for so this tournament, we didn't have LG. We didn't have the number one most popular player in the entire game in Seagull playing in this tournament. We still hit 45K. Um, you know, even if we have just that LG in this tournament, I think we could have done more. So I think easily 100K viewers is coming. And uh, when we do have that European uh, cross-region, European North American land, I hope we can cast together, Mitch. I think that'd be a lot of fun. Absolutely. Um, yeah. again, Ben. We're sorry. <laughs> no, it's, it's <laughs> I understand. Uh, but yeah, just keep supporting the competitive scene. Do what I said, guys. Get on Reddit. Get active. Uh, make if if there's a online tournament going on and no one's posting about it, make a post. Why not? It doesn't hurt. Uh, help us get the word out. It it really does help everyone involved. Uh, so thanks everyone who's watching, and that's it. See you next time. Yeah, I just went around just again. Thank you, get three for doing the show. And just close the show. <laughs> you should have just close the show. No wait, <laughs> I, for, I, sent you, I sent you a link to the teleporter moment. Did you did you post play that on stream? Oh, you want me to I do that real quick? Okay, let's actually let's let's take a look at that real quick, and then we'll okay. Well, let's see if we can. Uh, actually, I'm too uh, used to doing I'm the not throws. Used, I'm not used to oh, actually. It's not pre- it's not prepped to actually show it, so uh, oh, okay. we'll have to round it up. But anyways, thanks to the to three of you guys, obviously, for doing the show today, and all of you guys for watching. I did want to do a quick shout out just to folks that listen to the audios. Um, you know, I this this shows or podcast is available on iTunes as well as Google Podcasts and Stitcher and a lot of the other aggregators. So big shout out to Tyrus Rex, uh, Alex EP, and Victor Vector for uh, leaving some ratings and reviews because that's really important to help um, you know just the overview come up whenever you're searching for over overwatch pod, podcasts so uh, yeah take a look at that and again the audios will be available soon the vods for this show will be available uh, probably about 30 minutes after the show so you can check that out at youtube.com chamv and that's going to be it guys so for the overview this week uh, for Mitch Leslie shade fish sticks and myself chamv we'll see you next time later <laughs>